Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Patsy DeFerris is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. So the Patriots, of course, did not land DeAndre Hopkins, but at the Boston Herald, I like to think that we landed the DeAndre Hopkins of the local Boston sports media scene, as I am very happy to not only just welcome Doug Tide back onto the podcast, one of the quickest returns we've had onto the podcast, but my new teammate, Doug, welcome to the Herald, bud. Thank you very much. Very, very happy to be joining you uh, with the Herald. Very, very exciting stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you and I can do together this year and uh, very, very, very exciting things on the horizon. So, um, yeah, could not be happier. This was uh, great for me, great for my family, just great overall to uh, to get this opportunity. So you're a big part of it. Really appreciate it. Thank you and can't wait to get working with you. Definitely. I don't want this to be like an introductory press conference where we just drink cliches <laughs> and how great it is and reiterate the same four or five things, uh, which, you know, to be fair to us, we don't get a whole lot of those in New England true. Introductory yeah. press conferences. But um, yeah, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. This had been in the week, uh, the work for weeks, if not months. And I'm just very happy we got to the finish line and uh, which really the starting line, obviously, for the Patriots season is we close in at about a week left. We're recording this Monday afternoon. So about just over 24 hours from the time that you broke the DeAndre Hopkins news, we're going to spend a little bit more in DeAndre Hopkins to get into you in that scoop. What's next for the Patriots, what they made out of missing out on DeAndre Hopkins, which ultimately came down to money. And then I did a terrible thing, which was promise everyone on Twitter I would answer their Patriots mailbag questions, which really opened me up. But this says a lot about the audience that no one screwed us with just something where we have to pick between a rock and a hard place. Um, in terms of answers and look back. So we have really good questions here, nine and all. We'll get to those mm-hmm. rapid fire. Uh, this episode of the Pats Interference Podcast, of course, is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. So DeAndre Hopkins goes to Tennessee, two years, $26 million, potential for more, I think, total value of 32. You broke the news, an ultimate parting gift to A to Z Sports. <laughs> it really what, was. What, what more can you add? as far as the Patriots go and maybe the difference between why he's in Tennessee versus Foxborough. Yeah. I think what it really just comes down to is money. I, I think the, the Titans had the best offer on the table um, and the Patriots just weren't really willing to take that, that extra step, I guess, um, to, to give DeAndre Hopkins assurances, uh, I guess might be the the best way to put it because I'm quite frankly, you know, as far as, these teams are concerned like talent wise or upside wise, they're really not that far off. It's not like one team has an elite quarterback. It's not like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I don't get the the big sense that like Bill O'Brien had a lot to do with this. I think it was just that Bill Belichick doesn't like to overextend himself when it comes to contracts. He doesn't like to necessarily meet demands. He loves a value. Um, And when it came down to it, the Titans had a better offer than the Patriots. And I know that might not be the most interesting answer for, for talk radio and all sorts of things, but uh, like maybe it is because Patriots weren't willing to, to up the ante money wise, but I don't know. Bill Belichick likes value. And and by this point, two years, 26 million upside of 32 million, 
still kind of a value, but maybe not necessarily what the Patriots wanted value wise. So I'll argue for and against this. You know, you talk yeah. about like sports talk radio. Why doesn't this work? And I would listen to you and be like, how could the roster and the Patriots be as good as the Titans? And you look at the coaching staff, Bill's the greatest of all time. And they were in the playoffs two years ago and Max on the way up and Ryan Tannehill's falling apart with every passing season, you know, all these different things. And I would say largely you're right. But again, if you look at the offers, which according to Albert Breer, I did TV with him on Sunday night, the Patriots were willing to go up to $15 million. What right. they weren't willing to do is go to 12 as a base salary and then mm -hmm. three in incentives. Their base salary number was much lower. And so if you're DeAndre Hopkins, Think of that 12 versus maybe it was eight, six, or 10. I don't know what it is. Right. That's the difference in money we're talking about. And 15, yeah. of course, is relevant because it goes back to the Odell Beckham Jr. contract, which you and I talked about uh, weeks ago, last time you were on. Yeah. And so the opposite side of that is the value part because you would say, we know Belichick likes the value. And in studying how he spends historically at the position, even in the one year where they went nuts with spending, it was not for a big number one. It was two for 22 to Aguilar. Uh, Kendrick Bourne three for like 15 and change okay mm -hmm. they spread money out there and yet for a player of DeAndre Hopkins caliber two years 26 million dollars was a value and it still wasn't good enough for the Patriots who have the ninth most cap space in the league and are spending the second least amount of money on their roster right now as of July 17th and that's the confounding part about this is that the money should have been good enough and yet for whatever reason they weren't willing to match that number. And that's all I was saying. Just match what Tennessee is doing. And this should be over to the earlier radio caller's point of the roster's better, Belichick's better coach, yada, yada, yada. And they didn't do it. That's why they lost out. Yeah. And I mean, for, for Bill Belichick, I guess you can understand why you would want it to be a lower base. Like, there's obvious reasons why you would want it to be a lower base salary and, and higher or reaching up to 15 million in incentives because you want him to earn his money or whatever it is. There's also the cap aspect of it where you would rather that money be hitting the cap next year based on the Patriots cap situation where they certainly have the cap space right now to take on, you know, a 10, $15 million, whatever it is salary, but it's a lot easier to absorb that money next year. So if this is an incentive laden contract and if those incentives are not likely to be earned and if they, if any earns them, then they would hit the 2024 cap. So I think that that's, kind of what this comes down to well let me but stop at the same there, time there, there's other ways to construct it putting on my radio caller hat again and I, I would i would partially believe this but I'll, I'll throw it at you like i'm you know raging fury and 100 behind it is <laughs> i just said the figure they have the ninth most cap space in the league that figure right. is around 14 to 16 million dollars we know these deals particularly at the signing bonus you can configure the numbers any which way yeah. you want. Make it a two-year deal. Backload it in terms of the hit, but he gets a lot of money up front with a signing bonus. Make it a three-year deal and have the last two be void years. Like you and I kicked around all these different ideas For to sure. work. I get the standpoint of, you know, you have less space now and you'll have next year. And the cap is going to go up next year. My counterpoint would be, if you extend guys like, and we'll talk about this later, Kyle Duggar, right. that cap hit is going to come next year, not this year. So why yeah. not spend the money now to make it happen when you have, which again, he doesn't spend money on number one receivers. Nelson Aguilar still yeah. to this day is the best receiver contract anyone's been handed in New England, which is bizarre because that should be down to Hopkins and it's not. Um, just a quick answer to that before we move on. I think, I mean, so first of all, I, I think they should have done it. I think they should have signed DeAndre Hopkins. I think it would have been, it would have made sense. Personally, I would have, you know, up to the offer. I would have matched what the Titans had done. I think it would have made a ton of sense. 
I'm just trying to look at this as to why Bill Belichick didn't, because it's like, it, it's, it's more than just like, Oh, I'm stubborn. I don't want a number one wide receiver. Cause like they were interested. They brought him in for a visit. They offered him a contract. So then you get into, well, why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he meet the demands? And, and obviously there's a method to the madness. There's probably some stubbornness involved from Bill Belichick. I think that there's also, he doesn't want to necessarily set a precedent maybe with agencies or with players or whatever that like, okay, if he's going to do it with DeAndre Hopkins and he'll do it for the next guy or the next agent or whoever it is, that's gotta be it at this point. Right. Because like you mentioned, I mean, they had the money, they've got the cap space, there's ways to construct this. Um, and they liked the player clearly because they brought him in for a visit and, and had, you know, an offer out there to sign him. So there's got to be a method to this madness. And I think it is, obviously it's worked for years for Bill Belichick to not do this, to stand firm and stay pat and not match other offers and not overextend himself. But I, I do think that that worked a lot better when Tom Brady was your quarterback and you were going to Super Bowls all the time. And maybe you could still convince those players to come, even if those assurances weren't there. So I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't think Bill Belichick will ever really change his way of negotiations. I think that he'll probably retire before he would be willing to. Um, but I'm curious to see if it ever does change. So I have two things to add to this, um, both of which I've said before, but I think are a good way to kind of wrap this up and lead into some conversations I had with a couple people within the team, just just texting about reactions yeah. missing other happens. Number one of which is the Patriots think they're better than everyone else does. I tweeted about right. this Sunday, not signing Hopkins is the clearest evidence of this yet. They are higher on Bill O'Brien's rival. Their current weapons, the ascension of Taekwon Thor and Gesicki coming in, Hunter Henry bounce back year. Um, Parker, certainly given they already extended him and Juju Smith-Schuster than everyone else. So they don't feel as much pressure as folks on the outside, Vegas, you and me, fans, right. Twitter think that they should. The other part about this is I think the money is not so much, if I had to guess now getting into Bill's mind, right. the cap implications or the cash actually spent and again we're going to talk a lot about cash here in the mailbag it's what the money means it represents leverage it represents influence it represents standing in the locker room that as soon as you give a guy that contract given his accolades and his resume people are going to listen to him and we yeah. know last year the locker room the culture was very fragile and broke in big parts and specifically in offense so bill o'brien can stitch that together but the first time he butts heads with DeAndre Hopkins, not necessarily because they have a bad history. What are the young players going to do? Sign with the guy that they've been looking up to at that position for years. So you make all pro teams and pro bowls and is making X amount. That's way more than they are. Or the new guy who's kind of riding their ass for rounding off a slant. That's a decision. I don't think Belichick wants to have made. And so if he can't completely trust that player to represent the culture, I'm not saying he's a bad fit right. or those risks aren't worth happening. That's where I think he might've been reticent. Um, to my first point, a couple of texts I had, two people, what do you make of this, you whipped, uh, who got back to me were, one, I'm glad this is over. <laughs> and a sense of like, this has been hanging over my summer. The second was uh, from a player who said, I thought we would get him and we didn't, yeah. but that's okay. Which again, I think speaks to, they feel better about themselves than the rest of us do. I'm not saying they're right. I don't think they are, but there's a world in which they surprise everybody. And we just have to see what that looks like now because DeAndre Hopkins is not a part of that world. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I actually had someone get back to me literally minutes ago. So that yes. time I worked out on this. Um, and the the sentiment is, is essentially that there's some disappointment about the decision within the team that, you know, that they don't, that they didn't get to work with him, that, um, that he's not going to make the team better, that he's not coming on board. Um, but I, I mean, there's, I think, still optimism about Kendrick Bourne on this team as well. And, and that was kind of a factor in this in that from what I was hearing, there was a, there was a good possibility that Bourne was probably going to be on his way out. If Hopkins was on the way in that just, you know, the, the money, like money wise, like paying Hopkins, Parker, Smith, Schuster, and Kendrick Bourne all, you know, all having cap hits in the 5 million plus range probably didn't make a lot of sense when you've got Taekwon Thornton on the team, when you got, you got the two rookies, so there is still optimism about Kendrick Bourne. Um, I think the team's excited to, to keep working with him. Kendrick Bourne obviously isn't DeAndre Hopkins, but he's a year removed from an 800-yard season when he was probably, I don't know, him and Jacoby Myers were pretty neck and neck in 2021 as far as who was the best wide receiver on the team. Um, yeah, and and I think that they're kind of counting on him to, to have a ba- bounce-back season with New England. So... Yeah, that's kind of the sentiment that I was getting, that there's disappointment, but optimism about Kendrick Bourne. I know that that's not, it's it's not the greatest consolation prize for Patriots fans, but like Kendrick Bourne, it, this was quite possibly the difference between Kendrick Bourne being on the 2023 Patriots and not being on the 2023 Patriots. And I know that there's a lot of Kendrick Bourne fans out there uh, among, you know, Patriots fans. So first of all, I'm thrilled that that came through as we're recording now, and it leans into or it speaks to something that we brought up on this podcast before is just the idea of a contract year. Kendrick Bourne, I don't think it's any surprise, is posting pictures and videos of himself. Well, A, that's period, end of story. That no surprise that's happening on Instagram. But B, that he looks like in much better shape when he admitted he was overweight last year and seemed to be complacent after that 800-yard season you mentioned in 2021. The other part is they came very close, I can tell you, to trading him last year. And they had calls, including from a team in the division, uh, another team in the AFC and a third team, a separate contender about him. The trouble is no team likes to sell low. And that's exactly what you would have done with Bourne despite that 800 yard season, because he was late to a basically attendance meeting before a preseason game and got sent home uh, and was having a terrible camp. So whether we all want to look back and say it was Matt Patricia's fault, he was in the doghouse, blah, blah, blah. That's partly true. Kendrick Bourne walked himself most of the way into that doghouse uh, back then. Now I would count on some sort of, Born bounce back. Will he have more yards than DeAndre Hopkins next year? As much of an impact? Probably not. But it's interesting that he's tied so closely to he's the guy who would have been on the outside looking in, but we're really glad he's here because we missed out on the other guy. Um, And this could just be like person to person within the organization. Definitely. You know, I mean, like, like is, is Joe judge happy that Kendrick Bourne is back? (laughs) I have no idea is, you know, it's, these are person to person 
conversations that we're having. It's not necessarily yeah. like this is what the entire team thinks. So and we we had yeah. three different perspectives and the people that you know have gotten back to us so far. So that's yeah. I think that speaks to it. Um, all right. Anything else on this that we're missing? Let me get or you answer first, and then I have one more question actually. Uh, about oh anything else yeah uh, just, just or anything about the scoop anything you picked up on anything that's been overlooked or under discussed um i think the timing of it was interesting um i think it's it's a good timing for deandre hopkins to get into tennessee you know a week and a half before all this starts and basically from what i know everything really picked up over the last eh, four to five days something like that uh things were, were pretty stagnant before then so seems like the Titans really kind of worked hard to get this done over about last week or so, maybe a little bit less than that. So that's just the the timing of it for anyone who's interesting. I don't think that this was necessarily like lingering and building for the last month. Uh, I think that this came together relatively quickly that that they were the ones who who kind of maybe upped the offer or whatever it was to, to get this done within the last few days. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um you know, and there are things we haven't mentioned before that I think you can hear in other places. The Patriots are acting like they're still contenders in terms of take less money versus the top offer you have right. because you come play for Bill Belichick. And that just doesn't sell anymore. You're 25 and 26 for the last three years. But like I said, that's been mentioned before. The last thing I'll ask you is this, and I'll go to the mailbag. What are the chances that the Patriots and, and really 29, 30 other teams, it's called 29, keep Arizona out of this, were right to lowball DeAndre Hopkins, who, yes, is 31, Yes, was suspended last year for, you know, an illegal substance, performance-enhancing drug, um, but is also a three-time All-Pro and walks into virtually any building as a number one wide receiver. What are the chances he won't be worth the money he got in Tennessee? I don't know, like, relatively high. I, I It's a little scary, right? He's been – he's only played half the games over the last two seasons. He had the PED suspension. He's 31. Wide receivers don't really age into their 30s that well unless they're jerry rice or you know a, a pretty rare player um so i think that there's some risk here and you even just look at the tennessee titans everyone has made the same exact jokes but like that's the same team that thought that julio jones was gonna be a number one wide receiver they had randy moss they had andre johnson they had eric moltz they had all these guys in the last year or two of their career and it didn't work out and now the titans are just kind of you know swinging once again and seeing if DeAndre Hopkins will be that guy for them. I think it's a low enough salary. I think it's a cheap enough deal where I don't think anyone's necessarily going to like be laughing at the Tennessee Titans for making this deal. I don't think it's going to be an, an outright disaster, but I don't know. I mean, is my expectation that he'll get 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns or that he'll get 800 yards and eight touchdowns and five touchdowns i'd probably lean a little bit more towards the 800 yards and five touchdowns right like that's probably the more likely scenario since that's what's happened over yep. the last two years for one reason or another well we will get to see patriots and titans will have joint practices uh in mid to late august and yeah. in the preseason game i wouldn't count on seeing him for much of the preseason game but you know jack jones possibly uh christian gonzalez jonathan jones will see what they could have had in a teammate deandre hopkins when they go down to nashville all right Definitely. mailbag time lots of topics you'll see some overlap in terms of I don't know if the Patriots spend any money. What are they going to do next? Blah, blah, blah. But some other different ones in here to keep us on our toes, which is why we love the mailbag. We want to know what you're hearing, what you're thinking um, out there in uh, Patriots Twitter and Patriots fandom. So first one from Carlos. From a long-term standpoint, what is the most worrisome position group for the Patriots? Offensive tackle, wide receiver, or quarterback? Uh, a quarterback's an interesting one to throw in there, but I I'd probably still go offensive tackle just because like, 
I mean, Trent Brown is what 30, 31, something like that. Uh, Riley Reef is like 35. Calvin Anderson don't really necessarily look at him as a long-term starter. We have yet to see what Sidney Sow looks like at offensive tackle. It's just a position that you would love to have 10 years of a left tackle and right. Like you love to have Nate Solder and Marcus Cannon in there, like, like the Patriots in 2011 or whatever it is, you know, you'd love to have those, those two young offensive tackles who can be starters for six, seven, eight years. And the Patriots don't have that right now. So they might have it in Mac Jones. They might have it in Taekwon Thornton. They might have it in, you know, other wide receivers, Juju or Devontae Parker, whatever it is for the next three or four years. There's basically no chance that the Patriots have the their left and right tackle in 2025 on their current roster. So I would I would say offensive tackle. To that point, and I'm going to disagree with you in a second. Yeah. The first person to tweet me their Venmo handle, I will bet you ten dollars the Patriots select an offensive tackle. And we're speaking July 17th now, 2023. In the first three rounds of the 2024 NFL draft, ten dollars match it. I'm not giving you any odds. It just has to happen. Looking at this roster, forget the yeah. contract structures and lengths and yada, yada, yada. There's not enough young talent here. So $10, Venmo me, your handle, and, and we'll put a bet and I'll bookmark it, whatever I need to do to remember. Uh, and then we'll see in late April. My answer is quarterback. Uh, and for the simple fact that if you don't have a quarterback, a definitive franchise quarterback, little else matters. And it's yeah. not a cure-all. Ask the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Um, but when you're stuck in this purgatory, as the Patriots have been, you've experienced it, you've watched it at home, you don't feel good about this and we're in year three with mac jones who if he has a great year you'll look at two of the last three years and be like okay he had a speed bump that speed bump was matt patricia that you know bill belichick threw in front and joe judge they pulled out the speed bump and mac went on his way great if he doesn't you might be looking at the draft and looking at better odds for that mm-hmm. bet i just made because they might be having to take the quarterback and mac jones isn't it uh, but it's it's more speaks to just the the important significance of the position relative to anything else in the immediate future absolutely offensive tackle is it uh next question Corey. he wants to take a time machine quote let's fast forward to mayo's first year as head coach speaking of course about drive mail did robert Kraft give him a blank check to spend real cash to fill out his roster to make sure he succeeds or will be a business as usual being almost dead last with real cash spending i'll go first there's no blank check not anywhere period and not in the nfl with a salary cap yeah. i think mayo will keep the infrastructure in place Part of the reason he didn't want to leave is not only just he's virtually only known New England in his NFL career, really only known New England, Mm -hmm. but what Belichick has built here obviously works. You need some tweaks. You need to put some oil in the parts that are rusty or creak. Um, So I think he'll have similar roster building practices. Does that mean, you know, Matt Gross days as the top personnel guy? I don't know. The only other thing I want to mention is this because they'll spend money. Like to what degree, I don't know. No one knows. We're not in the time machine. The name I would keep an eye or not keep an eye. Just remember is Richard Miller, who is their cap guy. And he's been here as long, if not a little longer than Bill Belichick. He handles the contracts once principal terms are agreed to years, not a guaranteed money, how much. And the reason that's important is because he finalizes all the details, such as cash flow, when players are getting their, their signing bonuses and what months at what times, because he's aware of all of Robert Kraft's finances. So he makes some of those decisions. All I'm saying is when everyone looks at Belichick and Kraft, don't blame Richard Miller, but if there's one person who understands why they're not spending more money, it's definitely him. Yeah, I think, I mean, not to be unfair, I I guess I sort of disagree with the premise of the question because I feel like the premise of the question is that Kraft isn't giving Belichick a blank check of spending and that he would do that 
for another head coach. Yeah, it's dripping with angst and sarcasm. Like Corey's not happy. I get why. I just right. Wanted and to it, quote him forbidden. So I like. I think that that's. I think what I would throw out there first is that like I don't think that this is like Robert Kraft being like Bill Belichick. You can't spend this money. I think it's it's Belichick as much as anyone that he just wants to spend wisely. He he loves a value. And he's not going to overextend a contract just because it's Robert Kraft's money. Like he's working within the restraints of the salary cap. So I think that it's really more about, as you were kind of mentioning, who would be running the show as, as GM, even like if it is Matt Grower, if it's an outside candidate or whatever it is, I think that that's really where things could potentially change for the Patriots spending wise or how they construct contracts. And yeah, if there's a new cap guy replacing Richard Miller, like it, it goes further than just, who's going to be the head coach? Because I think that that's kind of bottom tier on, on what would decide how the Patriots spend money or how they sign free agents or anything like that. I think it has much more to do with who's going to be the, be the GM because yeah, if it's an interior candidate, if it's someone like Matt Grover, it's someone who came up in the Patriot system, they're probably going to do it pretty similarly to Bill Belichick. One last note that just hit me and this never comes up in any conversations. Um, because of things we just discussed, or I mentioned about the quarterback, the uncertainty around Mac Jones, they can extend him as soon as this, almost as soon as the season is over. And if you want to do that, obviously those are going to be big numbers in the future. That might be why all the gunpowder is dry and being held right now in 24 and 25 and 26, as I tweeted the other day, and it it went pretty far. Um, But beyond that, I, I get it. I, I understand the frustration. I'm not sure where this lies, and we'll get into that because there are a couple more questions. Uh, pivoting from finances to the roster again, from AR, number one, do you think they're in the mix for Dalvin Cook? Number two, why wouldn't Belichick philosophically extend for upgrades when the money to spend is so low and given their cap situation? Um, Dalvin Cook, I doubt it. He doesn't spend for veteran running backs. And as far as the upgrades that he was alluding to, Hopkins being a clear example that they passed on, he... Belichick does not see value of paying in paying market prices for players at certain positions. Wide receiver is number one. I just mentioned Nelson Aguilar got the best contract for a receiver. It was not among the top 10, 12, 15 highest paid players. He'll extend for tight ends. He's extended for offensive tackles. He's done it for corners safeties. They've been in the top five spending there almost every single year, but it's not at receiver. So the position has to align. The money has to align and the player and whether it's offensive tackle and for agency in the draft this year or receiver ever, sometimes that just doesn't line up. Yeah. As far as the Delvin cook thing goes, I there's, I don't think there's anything necessarily like, I don't know. I, I would be a little bit surprised, I guess, if Delvin cook uh, was coming on, it's not something that I've specifically heard is that they're, they're in on Delvin cook or anything like that. Uh, but they are kicking the tires on running back depth. Uh, after after James Robinson uh, was released. I think that they look at that as a potential area of need where they've got Ramondre Stevenson and then the two rookies from last year, uh, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, they've got Ty Montgomery, J.J. Taylor, but they do need depth at that position. I think that, I mean, they acknowledge that and they are kicking the tires on depth at running back. Um, I'm not sure if Dalvin Cook is one of those guys. Like I said, haven't specifically heard that but certainly would not surprise me if there was a running back signing over the next week, week and a half, uh, because they do look at that as an area of a potential upgrade and why. I mean, yeah, I think you answered it pretty succinctly. Like why Belichick isn't spending the money when they have it available. It's just, 
it needs to be the right fit for him. Um, they don't value wide receiver in that way. And I think that they're also looking at DeAndre Hopkins as a player who's on the back end of his career. I think that they know that those risks that we were talking about earlier are there and they just don't want to like pay him a top end salary if things are going to go south. Uh, so I think that they really do protect themselves as much as possible with those contracts, especially for older players. Just to reiterate one more time for folks who are listening, well, they don't want to spend here. They don't want to do that. They don't pay top price for those positions. We empathize, okay? Our, our <laughs> right. lives speaking so selfishly would have been a lot more entertaining and a lot more yeah. if a player like DeAndre Hopkins was out there in the practice field and we're sitting in the heat, taking notes, writing and doing interviews after, he makes our lives more fun and enjoyable. We're not rooting against anything except for the football to be good and the storylines to be interesting. He would have added to that. So when you sit at home and go, why don't they do this? And our explanations don't suffice. We understand, but these are our best guesses. So if it frustrates yeah. you, um, we'll move on. Speaking of which, uh, Matt wants to know, what are the chances they look for outside help at offensive tackle? And are there good, any good options left in free agency? Or he mentions trade or release, but if you have a good offensive tackle, you're you're not doing either of those options. Um yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think so. I think that they look at that position differently than, than everyone else. I think that they they feel like they're like in good enough shape because they did sign Riley Reef. Like they signed Riley Reef for a reason. They they signed Calvin Anderson. So they signed Calvin Anderson for a reason. They drafted City Sal in the fourth round for a reason. I, I think that they didn't draft an offensive tackle higher based on those signings of Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson. It, it's not like they signed those guys with the idea that they weren't going to play or that they didn't like them. Like I know that Patriots fans might not like Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson. And I certainly don't feel a lot of faith in, in those guys being the top options at right tackle of Trent Brown's at left tackle. Uh, but that's the reality of the situation is that if the Patriots wanted to do something more, they would have done something more. They didn't, and now I just don't think that there's better options out there, and I don't think that they think that there's better options out there. If they could somehow get Jonah Williams for a like, sensational deal, yeah, sure, maybe, but that just doesn't really seem like a uh, – it, it doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't seem reasonable for, for that to be happening. If it does, then that's great for the Patriots. They, they lucked out, but I think they made the signings they did for a reason. One more uh, round of Radio Caller's Advocate here is um, <laughs> you could go and say – Hey, I listened to everyone in February and March, including this podcast, go Mike McGlinchey, Juwan Taylor, Orlando right. Brown, pick one of them, sign him, fix the offensive tackle. Why didn't they do that? They had the money, they had the cash, yada, yada. And those players got, if not top three money, top five, and definitely top 10 money, specifically right. in terms of guaranteed and total value of the contract. If you whiff on those players, if you miss, as the Patriots experienced with Janu Smith, okay, that hurts yeah. you from a cap and a cash standpoint so i think they're feeling the lingering finger burn on the hot stove and still shaking their hands going if we're gonna miss it'll be with less risk is that the right approach considering the city offensive line is it the wrong one you choose i'm just saying yes those players were available yes i was advocating for them to make those signings but mike mcglinchy i don't know about you doug i don't think he's top three tackle i don't think he's a top mm -hmm. five tackle i don't think he's a top 10 tackle and Juwan Taylor is not a very good run blocker. And Orlando Brown is probably on the fringe of top 10. So when you pay for those type of players and don't get the return on investment, you need to make up for it somewhere else. What they're choosing to do is pretty much get the same amount of return on the investment you would expect. And that leads to kind of a mediocre rush. No, I think that's fair. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's It would have been a lot of money. I think 
ideally you want to find your offensive tackle in the draft. Um, yes. And the Patriots haven't done it yet. Uh, but so the next best option financially or without with the lack of risk is to basically do what the Patriots did this offseason, signed an older veteran, Riley Reef, signed someone who's been a pretty decent swing tackle in Calvin Anderson and hope that one of those guys can <laughs> – can fill in and and be a pretty you know average starter at one of those tackle positions yeah uh last one because he, matt asked for specific names and for agency right now the top names you're looking at are george fant and eric fisher jonah williams um rescinded his trade request from cincinnati doesn't mean you couldn't pry him out right uh, from the Bengals. but uh george fant gave up five sacks and had seven penalties last year according to pff averaged about three or four pressures allowed per game those are Connor mcdermott numbers and well, yeah, it's it's just like, yeah, you're not yeah. going to, that's not better than Calvin Anderson, really. No, you know, no. like, yeah, it's, it's a name. It's a guy that you could sign, but what's the point in signing that if you've already signed that guy back in March? Right. All right. Jono wants to know now that we're past the Hopkins saga, what is one move each of you would like to see the Patriots make with roughly $16 million they have left? I'll go first. Cause it's really quick. Extend Kyle Duggar. Give the man his money. This shouldn't be longer than a three-year deal. He is 27 already, turning 28, I believe, later this year. But you're talking about a player who, by the end of this season, could be the best defender on your defense. And he plays not only just safety. He's up there in the box. He is a playmaker. And that was the last step he had to take was, okay, he's a good tackler. He's got decent range. He's so-so in man coverage and tight ends. What can he do for me in the turnovers department? And the way he just inhales film and talking to him about the interceptions that he made in the passes he jumps and then takes to the house. Cause Oh, by the way, he was an all-time returner when he was in college. Give that man his money. I'll, I'll say something similar. I'd extend Michael Weno, Um, just because he's your best offensive lineman. He's probably your best offensive player right now. Um, I know it's gonna, it's not gonna be cheap, but you have the cap space. Like, I don't know. I know that the Patriots might not ideally want to give Michael Wenu top three guard money just because it's an extension. It's a lot of money, whatever it is. They have so much cap space in 2024 and 2025 that you are better off extending the guy that you know is good in your system, that you know is your best offensive lineman right now than going out in free agency and signing Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry it's going to be a lot of money, but sign the guys who are good. Sign the guys, like you said, Kyle Duggar. Michael <laughs> what, a, what a concept. Sign the guys that are good. <laughs> Amen, Doug. Kai. I think we would make an excellent GM tandem once we're done here at the Boston Herald. I, I But like, <laughs> what else are they going to do with that money? They have so much money. I don't know. And that's what people want to know is who are the free agents out there? We just gave you George Fant and Eric Fisher. Right. And I think I heard everyone listening to this podcast prematurely snort at that, at that answer. And you're right to snort. Like it's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott. They don't pay older running backs. Marcus Peters is going to get roasted and gamble and then get benched. Right. If he comes here at corner, the names are not good. And it's yeah. not just a fit for the Patriots. The other 31 teams are telling everyone right now without a job. We don't want to pay you, at least right now, and not on your terms. So it's not like the market is full of DeAndre Hopkins. Right. They're not. I I, I, I kind of like the idea of signing one of those veteran running backs who's out there. Like, I don't know how much Ezekiel Elliott wants right now. I don't know what the situation is right there. But that's, like, that's true. That's a guy who would probably make sense to come in, give him 100 carries, be great in blitz pick up. Pick up. Like, just put him out there, share the role with Ramondre Stevenson. But that's not a lot of money. That's going to be, like, a minuscule part of – 
of the cap space the Patriots have in the future. But I would sign at least one other guy at that running back position just so that you don't have to count on Ty Montgomery, Kevin Harris, and Pierre Strong to back up Ramondre Stevenson. I want to do this segment another time, but Ezekiel Elliott being strong the blitz pickup has to be somewhere in the top five tidbits that every broadcast analyst drops <laughs> into a cowboy game that, by the yes. way, it's like not this big revelation. Okay. We've heard this since his rookie year. Hell, I remember covering a game or two of his in college when I was covering Penn state, they would play Ohio state. And it's like, wow, he's the best runner in the country. And he will punch you in the mouth if you come into his backfield. Oh. Um, Patriots love that. So I don't know. It's a, it's, it's not anything I've heard. I don't want to put that out there. Like yes, it's something that I've heard or anything like that, but it, it just, it would make sense to me if he's willing to take a value contract, which yeah, he should, and, if he and, wants and to you, you know what? Like I just said, we're in for the interesting, we're in for the good football. I think him, even in a third down role, even if he doesn't fit your, you know, yeah. traditional third down prototype here in New England um, could fit, but uh, anyway, sign the good players. So <laughs> Moving on, Will, uh, with DeAndre Hopkins signing out of the picture, where do we expect the remaining cap to go? Cor uh, corner seems like an easy answer. Any O-lineman worthy of a look, where's a corner or bust? We just covered the O-lineman. George Fant, Eric Fisher, take your pick or just sit at home. It sounds like the Patriots are going to sit at home. I don't, again, think they will go for a player like Marcus Peters, the best cornerback available. So it's in-house expenditures. And of this right. 14 to $16 million, I hate to break it to you. The likelihood is they're going to roll this into the regular season for guys yeah. that want to sign off the street, any trades, future flexibility or extensions. And that's typically what they do is roster that holster, that amount of 10 to $12 million. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting anything major. I know that I know that people look at that amount of cap space and say like, why wouldn't they do something with it? Why don't they want to get better? It, it is like you want at least half of that to carry over into the regular season just for those reasons players going on ir like all those extra things that you have to spend on in the season per so, game roster bonuses is another big one that i i always forget so i just have to right. throw that in there yeah so beyond that it, it is like if you sign two players for three million dollars i'm not saying that that's necessarily going to happen but like if they sign ezekiel elliott or leonard Fournette or one of these like running backs plus someone else that eats into that cap space pretty significantly. So uh, I wouldn't expect anything major. I don't know if I even expect them to sign two guys who cost two to $3 million, but those are the type of moves that I would expect them to make more than like, all right, let's trade for a guy who makes $8 million. I just, I don't necessarily see that happening right now. All right. Two more Jason. Uh, we're going back to the money problem. What is your quote, honest opinion and quote as to why the Patriots refuses to money. And do you think there's a chance that we'll go on a spending spree next off season? If Mac looks good. This year, uh, honestly, I, I know you mentioned this is all about Belichick and uh, wanting a value. And I think that's probably most of it. But this is still a mystery to me because Belichick specifically mentioning to Karen Gregan, the last question of our end of season press conference, Zoom, whatever, back in January, when she mentioned, hey, you had a spending spree two years ago. Do you feel like mm -hmm. you got your bang for your buck? Which most people would say no. But our feelings, as we've detailed, don't always align with that of the head coach, the New England Patriots. So what does he have to say? And what he had to say was, well, that's just a snapshot. It's not entirely accurate when you take a three-year picture. I, I'm now, you know, fudging his words a little bit. But basically, if you change the window with which you're looking through, we were 27th in cash spending. And so pick your endpoints, which for the most mm -hmm. part are arbitrary, and the picture looks different through that window or that timeline. So to me, I think if you're upset about this, and I think fans have a right to be, be mad at both Belichick and Kraft. But I would lean a little bit closer to Robert Kraft, even though he's on the record saying, I've never put a limit on Belichick because ultimately he's the boss. 
He has right. the power and the decision-making. He doesn't want to meddle. He still can in his own mind because he did earlier this offseason. We saw it. changes to the offensive coaching staff, not something, you know, maybe Belichick would have done on his own. Maybe he wouldn't have. The statement sure as hell Belichick would have not initiated and released about right. being in contract talks with Drab Mayo, let alone not signing him and opening an offensive coordinator search. He's involved himself. He can involve himself. What he also wants to do, and I'm not accusing him of lying, is always align himself with the fans. So when he puts right. it in Belichick's lap, he's doing what the rest of us outside of Foxborough did from a media standpoint, from a fan going, Belichick screwed this up. And he's saying, well, I'm giving all the tools to fix it because it's in his best interest to stay in good standing with the fans. And so that's something to always, always, always keep in mind when Robert starts talking and says, you know, I was I had my butts in those cold bleachers of Foxborough Stadium, just like you. And then I just happened to buy the team. And I'm still that same old fan. And I, I believe that mostly. But he's a smart businessman who knows how to handle himself from a PR standpoint. And there's definitely part of that going on here. Yeah. And as far as what are what I expect the Patriots to do next offseason, I think regardless of whether or not Mac Jones has a good year or not, they they have to spend money next year. And they're probably going to have to go on maybe not the same type of, of spending spree as they did a few years ago. But I mean, currently as it stands, they've got the most cap space in the NFL heading into 2024 with a hundred over $110 million. And then in 2025, <laughs> they have $223 million heading into that year. Also top in the league. And in 2026, number one, $293 million in cap space. So we'll, we'll see what those cap, like the cap actually looks like in the future. But I mean, if you're just looking at next year, Say they want to carry over $15 million. That's still almost $100 million that they're going to have to spend on their 2024 cap between now and then. So obviously there's going to be some, you know, in-house extensions, the ones that we talked about before, but there's also going to have to be some pretty hefty free agent signings, uh, you know, unless they acquire a quarterback who's going to be pay being paid $50 million a year or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, basically though, they almost have to spend money in free agency next off season just to fill in the cap for 2024, 2025, 2026, and to fill in that cash spending that we're talking about already. I'm done talking about the cap and cash. And I, I, I understand I had the tweet and it's information that was just discussed well before I tweeted and we'll talk about it more, but I, uh, I'm glad we're going to end on this question, which it, no offense to Gary. It's not a great question. Cause I just think he's a little off base <laughs> here, but I'll read it anyway. From Gary, quote, Sorry, in general, Gary. the media is worried about the wide receiver group because of the injuries in OTAs, but the exact injuries were not known. That said, why are so many not acknowledging the six weeks between the next time that they see the receivers? Gary's talking about the end of minicamp to the start of training camp when human beings generally heal if they're injured yeah. uh, from the time we didn't see those receivers and assume no change in health. My concern, Gary, is actually not about Taekwon Thornton sitting out because he pulled something during OTAs. Juju Smith-Schuster still being a little necked up after a very long playoff run with the Kansas City Chiefs. My concern with the receiving group is I don't trust Juju Smith-Schuster as a number one option, and especially when he's not working across from an all-pro, which his two most successful seasons, his two yeah. best seasons statistically, across from Travis Kelsey last year and Antonio Brown back in Pittsburgh. I do not trust number two Devontae Parker to stay healthy, and I do not trust – Kendrick Bourne to be a consistent number three or even number two, which he'll have to be when Parker misses time, or maybe Juju's yeah. just not a seamless fit in this offense. That's where my concern lies or concerns lie because there are a lot of them. And then Taekwon Thornton 
He had a lot of snaps last year. And I don't care if they probably would have started in week one if he had been healthy. He wasn't. He got set back. He's got all the speed in the world. How can you weaponize that? Bill O'Brien will do a better job. Mm -hmm. But the talent is the talent. And it's not great. And that's that's the big deal as opposed to the concerns, which were real. And we haven't seen anything from Keishon Booty and Demario Douglas, and maybe they surprise. It would be great if they do. I'm all for competition, especially in training camp. But there's no overcoming the talent. And that's my issue. Yeah, I think that, I don't know. I mean, the talent is a little bit better maybe than it was last year just because, like, Juju, uh, for, Jacoby, yeah, Juju for Jacoby Myers is, y- you could, like, I don't know. It's pretty close, but just as far as pass catching talent, I think that Mike Kosicki has more of that than Johnny Smith, like overall value, maybe similar, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't love this. I don't know the, the way that the Patriots go about building these pass catching options where you have like seven guys basically who are starting caliber options. If you look at like Ramondre Stevenson at running back, you look at uh, the three wide receivers and, in actually the four wide receivers in Smith Schuster, Parker, Bourne, and Thornton. And then you've got the two tight ends and Mike Isicki and Hunter Henry. I would probably prefer to build a team where you know who your best five offensive pass catchers on the team are, rather than saying, like, all right, we've got seven or eight guys, and we'll kind of mix and match them. Some guys will only play 50% of the snaps. Because I just, I don't know how well you can gel as an offense using that methodology. I think we saw that a little bit last year where like Kendrick Bourne's playing 40% of snaps and doesn't really know what his role is. And Tyquan Thornton's out there for like 60% of the snaps and half of them are just, you know, running routes to to take the top off the defense with no chance of catching a pass. I, I, I would just prefer to construct the team a little bit differently and the Patriots, I guess, were kind of stuck in this because a lot of guys were still under contract. But that would be my concern is that you don't have that top end talent. You don't know who your best five are. And it's just going to be a bunch of mixing and matching and spreading the ball around, which certainly worked with Tom Brady at quarterback. But we haven't seen it work that well in the New England Patriots offense with anyone other than Tom Brady at quarterback. So that would be my concern. Um, I think that I don't know. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins would have made them better. <laughs> and he's and not coming here. So it's unfortunate. Back to the beginning. I'll yep. say this on a more optimistic note that I, I said the talent is a talent and that's true. The chemistry though part is is crucial. And that's something we haven't hit on here. When you look at all of these different players aside from Juju, Kendrick Bourne, third year with Mac Jones, Tyquan Thornton, second year, might have a year to leap in him on his own. Devontae Parker and the issues with timing that we saw in the first three weeks of the season when all of Mac's interceptions were thrown in his direction. Not all Devontae Parker's fault, but right. some of them absolutely were. Those wrinkles should be ironed out, not only in a way that more time leads to better chemistry, but more time marked halfway by a change of offensive coordinators. And that offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, is a big upgrade, should really help. So I would bet on the chemistry being better. We saw how much that Brady's chemistry with certain receivers, you know, allowed them to um, exceed what you would expect from just the receiver's talent. Like it was a better fit in the offense. The mm-hmm. trust, the timing allowed them to succeed in a way that they might not have in other different systems with other quarterbacks. Mac Jones, obviously, obviously is not Tom Brady, but that's something that I think should be mentioned because if they do exceed expectations, we look back and go, well, hell, they didn't need DeAndre Hopkins. And Mike Kosicki, by the way, has excellent chemistry from what we've seen in very limited sample size. Yeah. It will be because of that connection that they built over time. Um, which you don't see as much in the league. So yeah, I don't know about you, but that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I also like, 
the depth allows them to, if Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, or these guys go down, yes. they do at least have depth there. And and you can put Mike Kosicki, you can have a two tight end offense, you can do different things. You've got Ty Montgomery who can play in the slot. Like the depth is nice. It, it would just be nice if they had the depth with maybe one higher end option in the offense, but they don't. So I still think they can succeed. It just doesn't have as high of upside as they would have had if they had done something else. My cat is rubbing against me right now and it's, way too hot for that to be happening right now yeah it's very hot in this room i cannot crank the ac during the podcast so i think it's time to go um typically <laughs> yes. the time i'd ask the guests to plug whatever they have coming whatever you have coming is in the bostonherald.com which i am yes. so thrilled to have go pick up a paper today or read the story online doug it's come uh arrived and there's no replacing karen garigian obviously a longtime friend and colleague of ours and someone who's very special to me but we're going to give it a go uh Definitely. really excited about the plans and content that we have coming you're going to do the mailbags again. So if you want Absolutely. your questions asked and we didn't get them here, find Doug on Twitter. And uh, anything else you want to tease? No, no. I'm just really excited for coverage, excited for training camp, excited to get going. And yeah, let, let's, let's kill it. The Pats Interference Podcast is powered by FanDuel. Sign up now at fanduel.com slash Boston and claim your $200 bonus.